and open our Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number four. And if you're just joining with us, we've been going through the book of Ephesians. We began in January, and we're just now finishing up uh, chapter number four. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse number 32. And uh, we're going to consider what forgiveness is and what forgiveness should look like uh, for the Christian. I heard a story about a woman who went to her pastor for advice. And uh, it was basically she went to her pastor because she was wanting advice on her marriage. And when the pastor asked what her greatest complaint was, she replied, Every time we get into a fight, my husband gets historical. Her pastor responded, uh, you must mean hysterical, don't you? She said, no, I mean exactly what I said. He keeps a mental record of everything I've done wrong, and whenever he's mad, I get a history lesson. And you know, that's so true in when we talk about forgiveness and we talk about how we should be extending forgiveness towards others, um, we ought to face it. We live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, forgiveness is essential to maintain harmonious, healthy relationships. You cannot have husband and wife living under the same roof who are at odds against one another when they do not forgive. Forgiveness clears all the debris away to allow the rebuilding process to start taking place. Um, we need to have forgiveness. We need to grant forgiveness because we all sin and we all have been sinned against. But... I must say that asking for forgiveness or granting forgiveness are not easy tasks. The deeper that you've been hurt, the more difficult it truly is to forgive. Um, some of you in here might have maybe been abused emotionally, maybe physically or even sexually when you were a child. Maybe you have children that may have been abused emotionally, physically, sexually. Maybe there are spouses in here who are at odds because maybe your husband did something and hurt you or maybe your wife did something and hurt you. Um, maybe you've been hurt by a, a church member. Maybe you've been hurt by a brother or sister in Christ. Um, but in reality, we must forgive and when there are deep hurts, and there are wrongs, there are, there are sinful actions that, that, that come into our lives, sometimes those things are hard to navigate through. But God's word is still true. God's word commands us to forgive. Um, if you're a Christian seeking and granting forgiveness... Um, it's not optional. Jesus told us in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, but if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's true. That's real. He also said that forgiveness is so important that it precedes worship. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, he says, So then if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your gift. There is so much to say about forgiveness, and we're not going to have all the time to really talk about the, the different aspects of forgiveness. I've been, uh, been going through a study and speaking on this on Wednesday nights about forgiveness over the past few months, and there's been several books that have been written about forgiveness. There's several Bible passages about forgiveness, and so we don't have all the time this morning, and so I'm only going to touch a little bit about forgiveness, but if you want more information, I can, I can point you to other uh, Bible passages or some very helpful uh, books if, if you would like some more information on this uh, to help you with this. And so when we look here in Ephesians 4.32 in the context as we've been looking at this, uh, Paul is showing us specific ways that we are to put on the new man. Uh, that's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, as he says in Ephesians 4.24. And last week we saw how that we are to put away that, that bitterness, that wrath, that anger, the clamor, the slander, and we're to replace these sins with kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. And just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So I really want to focus on what it means to forgive and how we can actually apply that, actually walk that out uh, living amongst other believers. So here's what I want you to take away with you today. To be a forgiving Christian, I must be captivated by the gospel and demonstrate forgiveness to others. If I'm going to be a forgiving Christian, I must be captivated by the gospel, and demonstrate forgiveness to others. So let's take a look here at a few things about forgiveness. Number one, if I'm going to be a forgiving Christian, for me to forgive, I must understand what forgiveness is. Look at our text here, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You know, Christians are the most forgiven people in the world. Therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. Many times we find ourselves in circumstances when it's difficult to forgive others. Um, we sometimes find ourselves practicing a form of forgiveness that is neither biblical nor healing. When we say things like, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget that's neither biblical nor healing. Or we say, well, he's just a dirty old rat, but I do forgive him. That's not forgiving. Or screaming at somebody saying, I forgive you. That's not forgiving. Okay. So as Christians, we cannot overlook the relationship between God's forgiveness and our forgiveness. That's why Paul makes this connection here. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In Colossians 3.13, it tells us, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
Paul says that we are to forgive each other just as God in Christ forgave us. God did not say, hey, don't worry about it. We'll all, we all make mistakes. He didn't just brush our sin aside. Rather, our sin renders us truly guilty before God. All of us in here have violated God's holy commandments. All of us. In the book of James, it tells us if we, if we keep the whole law but yet offend in one point, we are guilty of breaking all of God's laws. And he requires for us breaking his laws, breaking his commandments, when we violate his holy righteousness, his payment for that is death. But in love... He sent his own son to bear the penalty that we deserved. When the guilty sinner repents of his sin and lays hold on Christ by faith, we find out that God graciously and totally forgives the debt of the sin. He releases the sinner from the guilt of his sin. He promises not to remember those sins against him. And in the sense, he doesn't bring them back up again. He is reconciled to the sinner through the blood of Christ. And it's out of this understanding of forgiveness that we are to forgive others. And so when we think about that, when we apply that to our own life, God has given us an incredible high standard to live up to when we have the opportunity to forgive others. The great thing is he also gives us the grace and the guidance to do so. We are able to imitate him. That's what uh, Paul will go on later on in Ephesians 5. 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Um, and so God allows us to forgive people because he has forgiven us. So what is forgiveness? Well, first of all, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an act of the will. Many times people say things like, I just don't feel like forgiving him or her. God never says forgive if you feel like it. Obey. That's what he says to do. Obey the command and forgive. God calls us to obey regardless of our feelings. Secondly, forgiveness releases the offender from guilt. There are two words that are found in scripture for the word for forgiveness. The first word means to let go, to release, or to remit. It often refers to debts that have been paid for or canceled in full. Um, sometimes maybe if there was a charge on your credit card and you look at it, you go, boy, what's going on here? You may call the credit card company and you say, hey, I have this charge on here, it should not be on here. And you talk about it and they say, oh, you're right. And they cancel it, they wipe it out. That's the first word for forgiveness, to let go, to release, or to remit. A, a, paid, a payment that has been made in full, it's been canceled. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 12, Jesus told us, and forgive us our debts as he teaches us how to pray, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
In Matthew 18, 27, he said that the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. In Matthew 18, 32, it says, Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. The second word that we find forgiveness means to bestow favor freely or unconditionally. This word shows us that forgiveness is undeserved and it cannot be earned. For lack of time, I won't read all these verses, but you can write them down. You can go back to them, read them again. Ephesians 4.32, Colossians 3.13, Luke chapter 7, verses 42 and 43, and 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. And so when God forgives us, he brings down the gap. And he says, not guilty. It's done. It's over. I'm not going to bring it back up again. The guilty sinner bears his guilt no longer. And so when you choose to forgive someone, you let the matter drop. Not guilty. I'm dropping it. It's over. We're not going to bring it back up ever again. And you release him from their guilt. Thirdly, forgiveness does not bring it up, talk about it with others, or dwell on the hurt. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 12, and also Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 says this, For I will be merciful toward their evil deeds, and their sins I will remember no longer. In 1017 it says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. When God says that he will not remember our sins anymore, he does not forget them in a sense of having amnesia. Okay? Because God knows everything. Rather, he means that he will not bring up any of our offenses against us in the future. I was just uh, watching, I was going through some, some videos and, and uh, watching some things on angry people and, and stuff like this. And I came across this one video that it was a board meeting uh, at a, uh, for, a, uh, for a city or something like that. And they're having this meeting and people are getting hot tempered and angry. And then all of a sudden, somebody just throws out this thing and goes, well, you know, you went to jail for... Where did that come from? You know? So when God says he will not remember, he says, I'm not going to bring them back up ever again. And so we do, not have, we do not have to fear standing before him someday because there's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, is what Romans chapter 8, verse number 1 tells us. And so to forgive someone is to promise not to bring the matter back up again. Or to use it against them as leverage. It may be proper for a forgiven offender to be required to make restitution. I mean, if you, um, if you committed a crime, that person may have to go to prison. Okay? May have to be prosecuted, spend time in prison. But when we forgive them, 
We should not bring up their sin again to accuse or condemn him or to win an argument. But we also, we're not supposed to be talking about it with others. That's why uh, the previous verse, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So forgiveness is an active process. And when we forgive, we must draw on God's grace consciously to decide not to talk about what others have done to hurt us. I am guilty of this more in more ways than one. In, in past times when I have been hurt, past things that have come into my life, it, doesn't it, it just kind of makes you feel good to talk about how bad somebody hurts you, doesn't it? And you get a listening ear and you start giving your case and boy, they start feeling sympathetic towards you. Oh, you poor baby. Oh, you got hurt. Oh, boy, it makes us feel good. But when I choose to forgive, I am making a promise that I will not bring it back up to anyone. We should not do that. We should choose to forgive. And we should not dwell on the hurt. You know, thankfully, God is not in heaven rehearsing all of our sins that we've ever committed. You see, for us, this is one of the most difficult aspects of forgiveness, especially when the offense was serious. Isaiah 43, 25 says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. God is not saying that he cannot remember our sins, rather he will not remember them. So when God forgives us, he chooses not to mention, to recount, or think about our sins ever again. And so to dwell upon our hurts, okay, as an offense that, that has, has been happened, that has happened in our lives, you have to forgive. Sometimes it's something that you have to walk out. When, when those thoughts come in your mind, no, I forgave them, I forgave them. Lord, help me to forgive. I want to forgive them. And so this is a process that sometimes it, you have to walk through, uh, possibly for even a long period of time, especially if, the, especially if the offense has been deep, if it has been very hurtful. Secondly, for, for me to forgive, I must understand that forgiveness is costly. You know, forgiveness costs God the death of his beloved son. He forgave you by grace alone. And you didn't deserve anything but his judgment. If God were to hold you accountable for your sin without no grace, without no mercy, where would you be? Be in the lake of fire forever. But God said, not guilty. It's done. It's over. I've forgiven you. I've released you of your payment. I've released you of your debt. You're forgiven. So God forgave us out of his great love and he has forgiven you far more than you could ever forgive anybody else in your entire lifetime. When someone sins against us, it creates a debt and someone must pay it. Most of this debt is owed to God and his great mercy 
That's why he sent his son to pay the debt. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 through 25 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have been returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so when someone sins against you, you have a choice to make. The first choice that you can make is take or extract payments from them. We do this by withholding forgiveness, by dwelling on the wrong, by being cold or by being distant and standoffish, by giving up on the relationship, by inflicting emotional pain, by gossiping, by lashing back or seeking revenge against the one who hurt you. All of these actions may provide a perverse pleasure just for the moment, but they require a high price from you in the long run. As someone once said, unforgiveness is the poison we drink hoping other people will die. And so you have that choice to make, to withhold forgiveness and extract payments from them or Make the payments on the debt and release them from the penalties they deserve to pay. This is grace. You see, you decide to forgive. Sometimes this is a one and done type thing. And by God's grace, the debt is canceled. You've released them from their, uh, from their, uh, from their sin. You've released them from their guilt. Other times, it's a process that you must work through. When there has been a deep hurt, a deep hurt, the debt it creates is not always taken care of at once. Um, you may need to bear certain effects of the other person's sin over a long period of time. This may involve fighting against painful memories, speaking gracious words when you really want to say something hurtful, and working to tear down the walls even when you still feel little trust. I must say something here about forgiveness I think is so important. Forgiveness and trust are not the same. When trust is broken, especially if there's trust in a marriage that has been broken, an unfaithful spouse or uh, some type of issue like that, even though the spouse may forgive the other person, the trust has to be rebuilt. And that takes time. It's a process he has to show or she has to show that there has been genuine repentance. I have repented of this and now I'm working to rebuild the trust. So trust and forgiveness are not the same. Forgiveness can be extremely costly, but the good news is if you believe in Jesus, you have more than enough to be able to extend grace and forgiveness to others. What is the secret for that? What is the secret of how I can, what is the secret for me to be able to extend grace to others who have hurt me and hurt me deeply? Go to the cross. That's where you find it. You go to the cross.
That's where it brings us here. Number three, for me to forgive, I must be captivated by the gospel. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You see, Jesus has already paid off the ultimate debt for sin and established an account of abundant grace in your name. Remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7? In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our offenses according to the riches of his grace. Not out of his riches, but according to his riches. There's a difference between those two. So as you draw on that grace through faith day by day, you will find that you have all that you need to be able to extend forgiveness towards others. You know why we don't extend forgiveness to others? Because we have not become captivated by the gospel itself. The gospel is not a reality in your life. The fact that you were dead in your sins, the fact that you had no hope, and God graciously forgave you of everything. And so when we draw on that grace, it allows us to be able to extend grace to others that have wronged you. When I reflect upon what Christ has done for me on the cross and how God forgave me in Christ, this should motivate me to forgive others. When we repented of our sins, God forgave us and released us from the penalty of being separated from him forever. And he did that. He extended grace to us. He extended forgiveness to us. Because we deserved it? No. We were the most undeserving people in the entire world. We do not have an entitlement mentality. I deserve God's grace. I deserve God's goodness. No, you don't. And this same attitude, this same motivation should be uh, what motivates us to extend forgiveness towards those who have wronged us and hurt us in the past. Psalm 103 verse number 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Boy, that's a powerful verse. Psalm 130, verses 3 through 4, I love this one. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. Sometimes talking with uh, husbands and wives, the husband or the wife, they'll tell me, well, I really love my husband, but he's... Do you really love your husband? Do you really love your wife? 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. Paul tells us to be kind and tenderhearted towards those who wrong us and forgive them rather than becoming bitter and angry. The person who has wronged me is just like me, a sinner in need of God's grace. So I need to be kind and forgiving towards others and extend that forgiveness towards them. So how about you? Do you need forgiveness 
Do you need to exercise forgiveness towards others? Do you need to extend forgiveness towards others? If God has prompted someone on your heart that you need to forgive, I would suggest that you do that. We must forgive in our hearts those who have wronged us. So that way we won't allow bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander, and malice to become commonplace in our life. Let's pray together.